Things are rarely as good or as bad as they appear to be, and if you're an Arizona State fan, you hope that this added is not just one more worn-out cliche, but perhaps also an accurate description of what we saw in the Sun Devils' 24-21 season-opening win over FCS opponent Southern Utah. So what did contribute to this performance last Thursday, and what are some of the areas that need to be remedied in short order as ASU faces its first Power 5 opponent of the season, a home meeting versus Oklahoma State, this Saturday night? Joining me in this episode of the Devil's Junkies podcast to break down the victory versus the Thunderbirds and analyzing the Cowboys contest ahead of us is the Sun Devil Network sideline reporter Kevin Turner, who not only offers his insight, but also a behind-the-scenes look at what transpired not only during that game against Southern Utah, but also what took place during that near three-hour delay. That So thank you so much for tuning in. Let's get this thing started. Welcome to the Devil's Junkies podcast. I'm your host and devilsdigest.com publisher, Hoda Rubino, and I am joined by Kevin Turner, the Sun Devil Network sideline reporter. He was there for the uh, bizarre game that uh, Arizona State experienced in their season opener versus uh, Southern Utah. Uh, Kevin is also uh, somebody who is a grizzled veteran in the the broadcasting world, uh, has been uh, part of the broadcast team for every imaginable pro team uh, in uh, the Southern California area, as well as doing uh, extensive uh, play-by-play for uh, high school teams uh, in that region as well. So I thought that uh, having somebody uh, with me on on the podcast who is not only an Arizona State alumnus, but also part of the 1983 Fiesta Bowl Championship Sun Devil team uh, would be uh, somebody with a lot of uh, knowledge and uh, perspective on what we saw last week. Uh, Kevin, thank you so much for joining the podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Hope. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So I know that this is a time of year, Kevin, we really have to be careful about the week one overreaction. Even though it was a win for Arizona State, um, I know some folks weren't too pleased with the performance um, on the field, especially in the second half. We'll talk about the bizarre circumstances of this uh, game in a few minutes, but if you would compare what you saw on the field versus your pregame expectations, where do you come out on how Arizona State uh, did perform last Thursday? Yeah, I'd really like to start, Hode, um, on the defensive side of the football because there's some notable uh, adjustments and changes. Obviously, a new coordinator with Brian Ward. And I, I wanted to pay particular attention just because of what I saw in practice with Tristan Monday and the transfers, uh, Deshaun Mallory from Michigan State and Clayton Smith uh, from Oklahoma. And I thought all three of those uh, players played very, very well. It set the tone uh, for the evening on the defensive side of the football. And, and, you know, and I go back to saying, you know, a young freshman quarterback, first time starters, you know, best friend is a really good defense and a great offensive line and and running game. And I think uh, we saw on Saturday night, a very sound defensive front. Obviously, we know that the back end is incredibly talented, and we saw some uh, really nice athletic pass breakups uh, on the defensive side. Jordan Clark, Chris Edmonds, uh, the new addition, Shamari uh, Simmons, and then they pretty much stayed away from Roe Torrance all night. But unfortunately, um, 
the Oklahoma transfer, Clayton Smith, who I think is an outstanding football player. He played on the inside. He was a five-star at Oklahoma and Arizona state saw something. And they said, look, we're going to, we're going to put him in a, in a stance out on the edge and we're going to turn him loose. And I was really, really impressed with um, what, what I saw on Saturday night there. I, I love the push up front from, from Mallory. And then I think the, the, the forgotten uh, foe on that defensive side is BJ green. Who's really uh, transformed his body into uh, you know, he's just a physical specimen very little body fat, even though he's at 270 pounds at six, one, um, there doesn't look like there's too much fat on him. And he's, he's very, very toned, uh, quick twitch and, and really comes off the edge uh, in a bad mood. So <laughs> I was impressed, uh, across the board with the defensive effort, um, offensively. Now, um, what can you say about the start that Jaden Rashada uh, comes out of the gate, hits a couple of deep balls, hit Melquan Stovall, uh, a beautiful pass. And then, uh, you know, there was some adversity. He kept his composure. And then Cam Scadaboo uh, went to work and uh, really helped him out quite a bit. And, you know, you've got a new chore- choreographed offensive line that, that hadn't really been under live fire. And that's where you always see, um, you know, a weakness early on in, uh, in, in, in any season because they're limited with the number of contact drills and going mano a mano and, and, and full speed against their, uh, their defensive counterparts. But I thought for the most part, uh, other than Isaiah Glass, and I know he, he's, he's, he's probably tougher on himself than anybody, mm-hmm. You watch him in practice, and I know you've seen him a million times, uh, Hode. He's he's very passionate about his craft. He's always working on footwork, his timing, his his hand fighting. So it was unfortunate, um, you know, that he got penalized a couple times on on the offensive side. But but remember this, um, you know, not only is a, a running back a freshman quarterback's best friend, but think about this for a minute. His number one receiver was out in the first half, and 1A, uh, Jalen Conyers, was out for the second half. So he was essentially shorthanded in that second half. And I don't care um, what you say about the three-and-a-half-hour delay. I thought he showed tremendous composure, even though he was off, and he came off the sidelines a couple of times, a little frustrated, and I saw Jalen Conyers and Cam come over to him and say, settle down. We got you. We got your back. You don't have to win this game on your own. And when, when the Sun Devils had to execute down the stretch, they got the ball back with 518 remaining in the ball game. Um, it was a, it was a very clean series. He had a big completion out in the flat to, to camp for 24 yards, another 16 yard completion to Elijah Badger. He kept the race car between the lines. He didn't crash it. There were no fumbles, no fumbled snaps. He did have a, there was a sack, um, but no interceptions. So doggone it. If anybody's uh, disappointed with the way that this team performed, given the circumstances and all the new players, I think we've got 73 new players, second only to Colorado with 88. Uh, I was pretty proud of the way that, that this team uh, responded to adversity. Um, I was excited to see, uh, you know, what Kenny would do and how he would react. And he got a little loosey goosey a couple times on the sideline. And, and uh, coach Joe Connolly had to reel him in a couple times with the long arm. 
And, uh, but that's a lot of passion and energy with that young coach, uh, you know, 33 years old. What were you doing at 33, Hode? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was uh, less, less than uh, 10 years into my uh, ASU alumnus chapter, I guess. But definitely so I, I give a, uh, I give thumbs up across the board. Yeah, there's a lot of adjustments. And by the sure. way, um, this is a very watered down playbook, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, there wasn't a whole lot of exotic things going on defensively by design. Uh, I know that Brian wanted it. Brian Ward, the defensive coordinator, wanted these kids to play fast. And I think we saw their athleticism shine on, on Saturday night. Now, special teams, I thought I was giving them an A until we had the punt block. You know, Elijah mm-hmm. Badger with a big kick return. And, and uh, I thought our, our operations with Slater Zellers was, was outstanding and Dario Longhetto. Mm-hmm. Um, I was at the fortunate enough to be, part of the inside of the Sun Devil credentialed list. So I know you guys weren't there, but he hit, he hit three sixty yarders in a row in their walk through practice inside the dome. So mm-hmm. I really, I think we've upgraded across the board uh, with our, with our kicking game. It'll be interesting to see. I, I think, you know, Josh is going to learn and we even had a bloodbath uh, punt protection setup where you've got three, three guys back there. I'm pretty sure. I mean, we saw yeah. that most of the night and I'm pretty sure I saw it happen pretty quickly um, but that shouldn't happen. And, and I know they'll get that cleaned up for sure. Sure. Um, you know, if we look at this, the philosophical differences, Kevin, between, uh, the offensive scheme and the defensive scheme for that matter, what are some of the elements that jumped at you right from the get-go of not only is this team vastly different, like you said, just by the sheer number of new players, but just the, the philosophy, the stylistic differences that you notice both on the offense and the defense compared to last year? You know, it's hard, you know, uh, it looks like everybody runs the same thing on offense. (laughs) You see a lot of nuance on defense with games and stunts and blitzes and edge pressure and, and disguising coverages. There's a lot of nuance to that, that you can pick up on film, but on the offensive side, I would just say that, that Bo Baldwin uh, encourages uh, and by design, a lot of their uh, explosives come off of nine yard reads. And so they want to make sure that um, they're efficient in that kind of that nine to 18 yard window and hit the receivers uh, on time so that they're running in stride and, and can make big plays after the catch. I think what we saw a little bit in the second half with some wind and some moisture is that Jaden was was aiming the ball uh, rather than throwing the ball and throwing the receivers open. I think he was trying to be too precise. And all I know, I wasn't a quarterback, but I, I did pitch a little bit. And what I recall, you know, my dad was a professional baseball player, and he said, just throw the baseball. Do not try to aim it and follow through. And uh, he had a he had a clean pocket, and there was there was an opportunity. I know that. And, and you probably remember this, they had, they had Bryce uh, down the near sideline and Bryce Pierre, the, the backup tight end uh, down the sideline and Jaden threw it high and behind him. That was a walk-in touchdown there. And I think he was, he was pretty frustrated after that throw, but um, you know, it, it's all part of the maturation process. Hode. He, he, this kid, uh, has got a, as everybody has said, that's seen him, you know, in practice, he throws a beautiful ball, very catchable. He's got a ultra high ceiling. 
And he gives Arizona State, according to Bo Baldwin, the best chance to move the chains. And, you know, I, I'm not going to question the staff. We know what uh, we know what Trenton can do. Uh, obviously, Drew Pines injured, went eight and two for Notre Dame in some big time games last year. So we got a great quarterback room. And uh, this young man is going to mature. Typically, what happens, though, um, in week two, because of the hypersensitivity to self-correction and what you see on film, sometimes you'll see regression in, in the second week. So don't be surprised if we see either, uh, you know, status quo or slight regression in, in week two, just because there's a lot more that's put on his table. He's hypersensitive and aware to where the corrections need to be made. And it's just like myself, and I don't know if you're a golfer, but after a golf lesson, the first couple of rounds are a little wonky. And then it takes, you know, that that muscle memory and the footwork and, and that observational intelligence to sort of kick in. So I just hope the fans uh, show up in mass and are are patient with this young quarterback. But I think we got a great opportunity to pick up a, another W this week in Tempe. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I would uh, wanted to ask you about, I don't want to call it the elephant in the room, and I don't want to wax poetic about it for another hour, but just that near three-hour delay. Um, why do you think it affected Arizona State, at least from what we saw in the second half, more than it did the visitors from Southern Utah? Um, well, I, I think they're I don't know about Southern Utah's time clock, but we do know that Arizona State, they practice early in the morning. Mm -hmm. So that's an extraordinarily long day. So I don't know if Southern Utah is an afternoon practice team, but in my mind, that might have, have played into it. Um, I know that, you know, and I, I talked about this in the pregame show, Kenny Dillingham uh, is, is he's an, he's an, obviously he's a mathematician, logistician, and there's nobody that is, is more sensitive about time than Kenny. And he's a guy that's used to being, you know, on schedule on the clock. But I do know I went down in the tunnel and I went into the into the players lounge area. I wasn't in the locker room, but, you know, where they, mm -hmm. they have training table and had a chance to, to kind of debrief with Matt Butterfield in terms of, hey, what what's going on? What's the team? What, what's the team doing? They all took their uniforms off. And they said, we don't know how long we're going to wait. They did make some adjustments. And then after they had that time and they knew it was going to, going to be a protracted delay, guys got into their backpacks. They started, you know, a deep dive into their homework assignments. Yeah. So they, they went to a different place mentally. And mm -hmm. then to come back to that um, with a freshman quarterback and then without Jalen Conyers, that's going to be uh, Jaden Rashada's safety, you know, that's going to be a security blanket through the balance of the year mm -hmm. is he is the go-to guy, the big target in the room, the guy that can get open and make things happen. And those are high percentage explosives that he can hit in that nine to 18 yard intermediate zone. And without him, I think there, therein lies, you know, some of the loss in productivity. So I look at, uh, you know, Conyers being out of the game. I look at uh, Clayton Smith out of the game. I look at a, you know, a miscue, a, a, you know, a block punt that had an effect on it. And then, um, you know, their mind was someplace else. And maybe it was just their, 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 you know, uh, internal clock, if you were the biological clock was, mm -hmm. was way off by the time uh, the game started. So 
Let's look at the game this week against Oklahoma State, and I think a lot of folks think it's really going to be a true litmus test for ASU, and I think, ironically, it's maybe one of the situations where misery loves company because just like some folks in Tempe are a little disappointed about the close win over Southern Utah, I don't think a lot of folks in Stillwater are really all that impressed uh, with the win they had against uh, Central Arkansas 27-13, to a game that uh, really in the second half was just a little too close to comfort. Um, you you watched that game, Kevin. What are some of the impressions, takeaways that you have concerning the Cowboys who are coming to Tempe this weekend? Well, number one, they're missing one of their best players on offense from a year ago. Spencer Sanders has transferred to Old Miss, and he's in a quarterback battle with Jackson Dart. Jackson Dart looks like he's getting the better half of that battle, and it was just announced uh, today um, – Lane Kiffin has announced that Jackson Dart will be the starter. And he, he got most of the reps in that, uh, in that blowout win over the weekend. Yeah. So they're dealing with a new quarterback situation. It was a three-headed quarterback situation with uh, Garrett Rangel and Alan Bowman, who were pretty productive. And then uh, coming out of the bullpen and closing it out uh, was the coach's son, Gunnar, Gunnar Gundy, who yeah. was very productive. He was seven of nine. The quarterbacks combined were 30 of 48, but um, they were just the opposite. They got off to a slow start, and then they they finished strong. They're also breaking in a new defensive coordinator, Brian Nardo, and then they've got to replace uh, an outstanding linebacker. He's a star. He's going to be a star. He'll probably play in the league on on Sundays. He's transferred to SC, and that's Mason Cobb, so they're, they're missing him. So uh, they've got a very good, you know, uh, Mike Gundy is, you know, he's a riverboat gambler, but it all starts and stops with the sound running game. And they've got, a, they've got three really good running backs. And you remember Ollie Gordon last year, the outstanding north-south, big oversized uh, running back that Oklahoma State, he'll be complimented by Elijah Collins and, uh, and Jaden Nixon, who's an outstanding uh, running back as well. And, and we'll see a familiar face, the one-time uh, Washington State Cougar, uh, Deshaun Stribling, who led all receivers last week in their opening win, a 27-13 win over Central Arkansas. And then they've got uh, a very reliable uh, senior, Brennan Presley, who returns, and he's an outstanding uh, kick returner as well. But notably, uh, Corey Black had his third blocked field goal last week. So we're going to have to be sound on special teams as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you look at the uh, line on this game and ASU is a slight underdog around uh, three and a half points, which, you know, maybe not uh, that much of a surprise, uh, even for a game played uh, in Tempe. But I think many would agree that's definitely a winnable game for Arizona State. Again, I think it's a great opportunity to make a statement this early in the season. And some would say maybe after what we saw in the season opener, it would be very important for ASU to make that statement sooner rather than later. Uh, What are some of the key aspects you're looking for Kevin this Saturday that you think uh, could lead to a potential Arizona State win Uh, I'm looking for you know four quarters of consistency you know and and sound play by our I think we've got to step up in class up front um, with our run game I thought uh, we could have done a better job Uh, it seemed as though uh, Cam was always trying to avoid an unblocked defender in the backfield. And he's got nifty quick feet. He's not a guy that's going to, you know, burn the paint, you know, (laughs) off the bottom of the Sun Devil stadium turf, but 
uh, he's a guy that if you can get him going north and south, he's going to finish strong. And he's a guy that should average four and a half to five yards a whack uh, mm-hmm. just because of how physical he's a smaller target. It's hard for a six foot four, 295 pound defensive tackle to, to get his, his, his uh, center of gravity mm-hmm. uh, in a balanced hitting position to hit a guy that size. And then Cam's got really good contact balance. So I'd like to see um, a little bit more aggressiveness on our, on our run blocking schemes uh, this week. And uh, you know, I'm excited to see Jalen Conyers uh, play mm-hmm. four quarters. And I'd also like to see in our 12 personnel, um, you know, I, I'd like, uh, Messiah Swinson to assert himself like he did at the beginning of last year. It seemed like he tailed off. I'd like him to get a little hot sauce flowing and get after it a little bit more. He's 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 ridiculously talented. He's got soft hands, very strong. He's long. Um, when we're in that uh, twelve personnel set, everybody's all eyes are going to be on on Conyers, and I'd like to see him, you know, get something on a backside seam route and get him freed up and just really make it more complicated when we go to our, our 12 personnel package. Well, Kevin, uh, some folks had uh, better season debuts than other, but uh, I really appreciate the debut guest appearance that you had on my podcast uh, today. Thank you very, oh, uh, it's very my much. My pleasure. And by <laughs> the way, Hode, I, I, I'm not just saying this because I'm a guest. I want to thank <laughs> you and your staff for all that you do for Sun Devil Athletics. Um, you do a really good job, always a balanced, very fair perspective. Um, you know, you help me a lot during the off season, as you know, some of the fans may know. I, I have a home in Scottsdale, one here in Southern California. So I'm mm-hmm. moving back and forth quite a bit. And uh, you're always my eyes and ears on the ground. <laughs> and I really appreciate uh, the knowledge transfer and what you do for Sun Devil Athletics. I really appreciate it as a former player and alum and I- booster. <laughs> my, my, my pleasure Kevin uh, thank you so much and uh, look forward to seeing you on Saturday weather uh, is going to be different maybe not different in a good way but still different but uh, look, looking forward uh, to your insight not only this Saturday but the rest of the season so thank you so much Kevin yeah for sure forks up and let, let's let's fill up uh, Mountain America Stadium home of the Sun Devils this Saturday night and that'll do it for this episode of the Devil's Junkies podcast. I'd like again to thank Kevin Turner, the sideline reporter for the Sun Devil Network, for his perspective on what we saw last week from Arizona State and what we could possibly expect to see from that team in a significant matchup versus Oklahoma State this weekend. For the rest of the season, we will stick to a weekly podcast schedule, reviewing last week's game and looking ahead to the upcoming contest, and we hope that you will continue to be part of our podcast audience as we plan to welcome various guests throughout the year to discuss everything and anything Sun Devil football related. So until next time, thanks again for listening and enjoy the rest of your week.